Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Brandon, I'm starting to think that we were getting a little too critical of the Hurricanes this season. Yeah. Yeah. And the lights shine brightest. They always seem to turn it on, right? Absolutely. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. Brandon and Matt are here with you tonight. Uh, We got lots and lots of playoff hockey to talk to you guys about. But it's not just the Carolina Hurricanes who are coming off fantastic home ice hockey games, wins over the Boston Bruins. We will definitely dive into that um, a good bit here in a little while. But first, we're actually going to welcome on the Chicago Wolves play-by-play man uh, on their TV broadcast, Jason Shaver. We're going to talk about that team. Um, Obviously, we know they're one of the absolute best teams in the AHL and are primed for a very, very deep run in the – Calder Cup playoffs. So we're actually going to start right there. Let's go ahead and welcome on Jason Shaver. All right, guys, we are here with the Chicago Wolves play-by-play man, Jason Shaver. So again, Jason, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here and talk about a little bit of uh, Chicago Wolves hockey. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I love uh, the tweets that you guys send out. You've been uh, very informative for me in our second year with the Carolina Hurricanes. You have a good grasp of all the prospects. I'll give Matt all the credit on that one. The amount of work he puts into that, man, he all does right, a thanks, great Matt. job. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so one of the biggest stories with the Hurricanes right now, obviously, Antti Ranta got hurt, and in comes Piotr Kachikov. So, obviously, we're mostly going to focus on the AHL side of things, but we're going to start with that kid. <laughs> Seeing him come in, played fantastic, trying to fight Brad Marchand, is this something you kind of expected to see out of a 22-year-old that's barely been in North America just from having watched him for a couple months now? Or did anything you see out of him surprise you? Well, that, that incident last night we saw early in his tenure with the uh, Chicago Wolves. And I, I know you guys follow the prospects quite a bit, so I don't know if he saw his first start against the uh, Iowa Wild. Things were not going his way. He got run into, stuck in the face. He's bleeding. He gets up. He has limited uh, grasp of the English language but he was barking at the Iowa bench and he instantly became a fan favorite here in Chicago. And obviously that's carried over to Carolina. It was funny today at, at Wolves practice, I was talking to Sergey Samsonov, who's part of the development coaching staff with the hurricanes and just asking him about Peter. And he, he said he couldn't articulate a goalie that he reminds him of, but he just is a guy that wants to be in the net. He wants to win. The language barrier does not matter. 
He just is a, a great teammate, and he doesn't mind getting those two-on-ones late in the hockey game. He wants to make a save. He's not afraid of the big moments, and I would certainly say in about 50 minutes of Stanley Cup playoff work, we saw a guy that was unfazed. Yeah, and I don't think there's a single thing he could have done uh, to endear himself more to this fan base than to go after Brad Marchand and his playoff debut. Not just yeah. his fan base, too, because, I mean, other teams' fans were talking about it all over Twitter <laughs> last night. Like, he's very, very quickly became one of the fan favorites across the league. Yeah, he's got just such a great charisma about him. It endears himself to his teammates and just watching him interact. You know, one of the beauties of the American Hockey League is we travel with the team and you go through security with them and trying to watch him figure that out. To You know, you can't bring a water bottle through, the mask mandate, all the other stuff. You know, he's, he, he just seems to have a great sense despite uh, learning English on the fly as he's over here. And he's uh, endured himself to a lot of the visiting fans as well, just the way he plays the puck and, and brings so much to the game. Yeah, we're, we're definitely excited to watch him here. Um, and, you know, just we're going to bring it back to the Wolves, like as a whole for, for a second here, you know, obviously this is a team that was the best team in the AHL this year. Um, I mean, we could talk about Andrew Podorowski's over a hundred point season. There's Stefan Nason nearly hitting the 50 goal mark, but for you, what are some of the biggest factors in the Wolves' regular season success this year? Well, I think just right from the get-go, they outshot Rockwood in the very first game but lost 5-3, to three, and then they rattled off three straight victories after that. Uh, there was a, a game in Grand Rapids on Black Friday right after Thanksgiving. They were down 3 nothing into the third period. They won that game 5-3, then proceeded to rattle off 12 straight victories and never looked back. They've been in first place. Uh, since that time, but they, just when they seem to face the limited adversity that they've had to deal with this seems, season, they immediately bounce back. That goes to the, the coaching staff, Ryan Rosowski in his first full season with the Chicago Wolves, third in the American Hockey League last year was that weird pandemic year where the Wolves actually shared an affiliation with the Nashville Predators and the Milwaukee Admirals. So he had two coaching staffs and he had a great run in his first year as the head coach in Charlotte that was cut short due to the uh, COVID cancellation of the rest of the AHL season. So I think it starts with the, the coaching staff and then the players buying into what the coaching staff, it's a very close team here in Chicago. We've had a lot of very close teams during my tenure with the Wolves, but this locker room in particular seems awfully tight, like many of the very successful teams that have been here. Yeah, and I think coaching is probably going to be part of the answer to this question as well. Yeah. Ryan Warsops, he's such a great leader for that team, but it really seems like the Hurricanes, you know, their, their farm system or their AHL team is not just there to develop players. They really seem to want to implement that winning culture at the AHL level to prepare those guys to enter a winning culture in Carolina, right? So can you speak a little bit to that and just maybe how good they are at evaluating talent? Because it seems like even, I mean, you know, they bring in NHL contract guys like Podorowski, Nason on two-way deals, but even some of the AHL deals like Mendel and Wells, these guys have played big roles down there. So can you speak a little bit to that, you know, talent evaluation? Absolutely. And, and the thing I, I think that's most important if you're a Carolina Hurricanes fan or interested in player development is that you want to see the players get an opportunity to play and first and foremost if you have a guy in an AHL deal with the Chicago Wolves and a player that is on a Carolina Hurricanes entry-level contract well the Carolina 
Hurricanes entry-level contract guy is always going to get much more rope, many more opportunities to get in that lineup and stick in the lineup. And I think that's the biggest thing that the Chicago Wolves as a franchise want to do. They want to win. We have an independent owner, Don Levin, who invests a lot of money owning a team, loses money probably if you were to open up the books and see how professional hockey is run. I, I don't know. I'm not in, in accounting, but we, we, we spend a lot of money. We have a great fan base, but it costs a lot of money. And I think you want to put a winning product on the ice, but you also know that it's so valuable for the Carolina Hurricanes to have these players that when they get called up, that they're ready to go. And player development is a huge part of the American Hockey League. You do not win at this level without having great prospects. You can only have so many Potterolskis and Nason. You're only allowed five veterans in line. Five players, as you well know, is not enough to win a hockey game. So if you do not have prospects, you're not going to thrive in this league because at the end of the day, you the teams that have the most success have guys that are just coming out of an entry-level NHL contract, maybe on their second contract, they're close to the NHL, or they're on their rookie contracts. And you see a guy like Jack Drury here in Chicago. He's a rookie in North America, but he is primed and ready to go. He's the number two center. And if the Carolina Hurricanes do not have Jack Drury playing for Chicago, this team is not as successful as it's been this year. Absolutely. He's been fantastic. Yeah. And for for the fans that might not be familiar with the, the veterans rule uh, in the AHL, could you kind of explain that and the reasoning behind it? Well, I think, you know, a while ago, the American Hockey League had a lot of independent owned teams. Now I think they're down to maybe nine or maybe 11 it is now with Seattle coming in. But most of the teams are, are owned by NHL uh, teams. And each one of those NHL teams has a different philosophy. Some like, you know, a long time, New Jersey just wanted two players to play an absolute ton. And then the next year they were going to be in New Jersey and they had already played in the power play penalty kill. Others like Carolina share a very similar philosophy as the Chicago Wolves. We want to develop and win so that when they go to Carolina, Peter Kochekov last night is in a playoff hockey game, right? You want them to be able to have earned that ice time, earned those starts. Kochekov took over the number one job thanks to injuries and some other circumstances here in Chicago, and he's ready to go. So I think that's the – if you're winning, you want uh, your players in a winning environment, and I think that's the, the benefit here. So back to the veteran rule, AHL rules call for – I believe it's five players that have played over – uh, 260 games, you do get one vet exempt. So that, that would be the top leagues in Europe. That's the American Hockey League, and that is the NHL. So some combination of 260 games, or I think maybe 320, but you get one vet exempt, which would be a player that's played 260. So I believe the Wolves and their roster have five veteran players. So it's the Josh Legos, Stefan Nasons, the Andrew Podorowskis, uh, those type of players that uh, have some some games of them. Um, Richard Ponick, who came over at the NHL trade deadline. So those are the four or five players that are actively playing here in Chicago that would be a, a, of the veterans. The rest are, are what you'd call prospects. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, and that's Brandon, just a way to... Turn? Well, and that's just a way, too, to keep the league on... Um, you know, at the end of the day, the league's thriving because the NHL is investing a lot of money in player development. So it's, so the, 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 the wolves of old could not, you know, have 10 guys under AHL contracts playing ahead, but 
also at the same time as i say that you wouldn't be able to find an nhl partner if that was the case today either because right you know at the end of the day there's got to be something in it for the carolina hurricanes right and that i mean that's part of the reason why you know the wolves and the canes have that balance now as you know the wolves do a really good job of balancing you know they 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 attract the high-end veteran talent but also you know put yeah. a focus on player development yeah and it, and it's benefits the players too so when ryan suzuki and jack Dury, you know first year pros or jamison reese and david cotton they're playing with good players they're not playing with guys that are also trying to uh you know figure out living on your own and playing in this league i mean it's a tough league and the travel can be tough so that's where those veteran players having the right veteran players is so important and so we're gonna we're gonna speak about jack Dury here you know he's obviously been one of the best rookies you know that we've seen in a Hurricanes affiliate in quite some time. Um, you know, what's kind of stood out to him? Uh, do you think he's ready to take the next step? And where do we go from here with his development? I, I would say the development phase of his game is over. And that is because he's so coachable. And he go back to early in the year, he might have turned the puck over a couple times, trying something on the back end, deep in his own zone that led to a goal against. And he just listens to coaches. And I don't, I remember him throwing a puck away in November that was a turnover. And I don't think he's turned the puck over in a bad area since. So he, he's so coachable, so quick to learn, not knowing what Carolina's offseason is going to look like. But I would, you know, with no skin in the game, I'd be surprised if he's in Chicago next year. If there's a spot available based on what we've seen this year and all things aligned for him going into training camp, I think he's ready to play in the NHL. Okay. Um, so we've kind of made the comparison before to a guy that actually just got here about a month ago probably, and that's Vasily Ponomarev. We think yes. him and Jack Drury are very, very similar players. What are your first impressions, I suppose, of – Panamara have been I haven't seen enough of Panamarov to put two and two together with um he's he's certainly produced a lot of points the Wolves have been playing uh, with a a little bit different lineup down the stretch here and he's he's had some production uh and I don't want to short sight him because I think there's a lot of upside he certainly looks comfortable uh, in Chicago, coming over, and again, another guy that's learning the English language a little bit. He did play in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, but that was in a French-speaking area of right. Canada. So I, I, I don't know him as well as I know Jack Dury, and so it's it's hard to make that judgment, but uh, he's so strong in the skates. Uh, he's won a lot of big face-offs, and the one thing that I noticed about him that's very interesting, he's a left-handed shot. If you ever see him taking an offensive faceoff on the right dot, he switches and goes right-handed. And he wins his backhand to curl it back. Yeah. And the first time I noticed that, I was really surprised. And I asked him, he's like, no, I do that all the time. And I think that's just where that hockey IQ is. But I I just – only seeing him 10 games, I don't want to jump the gun and say, yep, he's going to be fighting Jack Dory for – a roster spot next year just because I've seen so much more of Jack and very comfortable in his game right now. Sure. So we've touched a lot on this Chicago Wolves team is absolutely stacked. They're definitely look prime for a very, very deep run. They should be competing for the Calder cup this year. 
But what are some questions you have as the team prepares to enter the playoffs that they're going to have to answer in order to make that deep run? Well, there, there's no holes in this lineup. They're deep at every position. They were super deep at goaltending, but uh, because of some injuries <laughs> up top. And then, I, I mean, at this point, you tell me, do you send Peter Kocheko back if Ranta and Anderson are good to go, or do you keep them up there now? So he might have, you know, two weeks ago, been the game one starter for the Wolves. And do you think he'll come back or wait until Carolina's season's over? Well, the question is, are Ranta and Anderson going to get healthy? Well, let's say that they are both healthy. I think I, at this point, I think he's going to go back to Chicago if both okay. of them come back. But I think I they mean, would rather get him to play in games rather than sit in the press box. But right. I could also be totally off base with that, you know? Yeah, sure. We yeah. could be wrong. There's definitely something to be said for riding the hot hand. And the kid's been fantastic, right? And, and he's got that charisma, yeah. something we talked about here. The, the guys love playing for him. You can yeah. see it on their faces during the games. And they play yeah. great in front of him. There's something to be said for that. So it's definitely a conversation. But for me, for now, I'd lean towards they're probably going to send him back if both those guys come back. Yeah, so then you would have some corner combination of Lyon, Kochekov, and maybe even a LaFontaine. At, at some point, they, obviously the way goalies are getting hurt in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're keeping three goalies yeah. uh, in Carolina. So uh, so the Wolves are, are a little thin right now at goaltending. If Alex Lyon were to get banged up, they have Dylan Wells, who has been good, but has only appeared in three games at the AHL level. Got a lot of games with Norfolk in the ECHL. So that's maybe the one area where they're a little thin just because of injury, but they have capable goaltenders, but you're one more goalie injury away from, wow, really being up against it. And and so that is maybe the only depth concern I have. And then the only other thing is it could be 12 to 14 days between the Wolves ending the regular season and their very first playoff game. And they won the last three games of the regular season but that's a long time to sit and wait. And you see that sometimes in the NFL where you have that play-in round bye for uh, a couple teams that were really good during the regular season. And it's a short season series, a best of five. If you run into a hot goaltender in the first two games and you're down 2 nothing, as you're trying to come out of not playing for 12 to, to 14 days, then you're one loss away from getting eliminated. So I think that's the only way the Bulls uh, – find trouble in the postseason. If the layoff and they're just a little slower to the gate facing a team that's already played at the playoff pace. Uh, but again, I, I started this conversation saying how they've responded every year, every time this year to adversity. So even if they drop game one, I'd be very confident they're going to come back with a great effort in game number two. Agreed. So we've talked about, you know, some of the bigger names on the Wolves this year, but um, I kind of want to know, in your eyes, at least, you know, one to two players that you think aren't getting enough attention league-wide that have been crucial to the Wolves' success this season? The first name I'm going to throw out there is Jesper Selgren. Uh, Swedish defenseman, excellent skater, blocks a lot of shots. He's on the number two power play. The Wolves use one defenseman and four forwards on each grouping. I wouldn't necessarily say he's a quarterback, your power play, type of player but that just goes to show his skill set that at times this year he has been the the second best defenseman to run out there uh, on the power play he's a valuable penalty killer the more you watch the guy the more you appreciate him but he's just a guy that does his job so he doesn't maybe necessarily 
uh, jump out on the stat sheet. Uh, another guy is Spencer Smallman. I like to call him the straw because he's been up and down the lineup. I'll share a story. I was just having a conversation one day after practice with Stephen Nason. They've had a lot of wingers with he and Podorowski this year. And I was just kind of going through the names, AJ Smith, Josh Levo, who have had since up there, you know, David Cotton. And he brought up Spencer Smallman and how good of a player he is and is a compliment to that line. So, you know, you see him anywhere as a fourth line center to uh, a first line left winger. It, it, it's those guys that are just so valuable to maybe fly under the, the radar. I was just going to say Smallman has been excellent this season. Um, another player that, you know, like uh, when he was with Charlotte, uh, he's playing with the Canes now. Stephen Lawrence was that guy mm-hmm. for, for the checkers, just a very gritty, reliable forward that could play in any situation. And he really kind of started going on his upward slope that he went on the year they won the Calder cup, right at the right times uh, assisting on the game winner to send the, the checkers to the Calder cup final. Yeah. Big time blue well, guy, right? Yeah. Well aware of that too, because don't forget Charlotte knocked off the Chicago wolves and you're like, Stephen Lawrence. Wow. How is this guy killing the wolves every, you know, you see those depth guys that are showing up every night, doing their job, hard to play against and getting those huge playoff goals. And he's never looked back. And I think that's an, another thing that the wolves always stress about having success in the playoffs, because you just get that extra boost of confidence and you go on to the NHL and, and never come back. So that that development in the playoffs is so valuable for not only the AHL team, but the NHL organization and those prospects. Exactly. Stevie Lawrence, always getting a shout out on this podcast. <laughs> Good friend of the pot. We've had him on four, four time, time guest. <laughs> okay. All right. Super um, dude. We love him. Jason, we really want to thank you for uh, coming on to just talk about the Wolves, talk about the season a little bit. And we'll, we're looking forward to definitely getting with you after the Wolves win the Calder Cup this year. We know you didn't promise it on the podcast, but we're going to go ahead and say the Wolves are going to win this year because, I mean, <laughs> Like you said, the Wolves are deep at every position this year. Yeah, they really are. Thanks for the time. And uh, it was enjoyable to talk to to you about these guys. And I hope you're right. The, the Calder Cup would look awfully good in Chicago and a Stanley Cup in uh, Raleigh. I agree. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, before we jump into the rest of our playoff coverage with the Carolina Hurricanes, Tracking the Storm is a proud part of the Hockey Podcast Network. So we're going to take a second. Get a quick word from DraftKings. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes of wherever you get our podcast for important details. Well, that was a great interview with Chicago Wolves play-by-play announcer Jason Shaver. Big shout-outs to Jason again for coming on. And 
we're looking forward to a very or potentially a deep run for the Chicago Wolves this year. Um, I've been following them all season long, and I, I just have to say, like, the games are fun. The broadcast is great. When the Wolves are at home, whoever runs the playlist is uh, they're always on it. So if that's kind of how you view the games, then it's it's fun. And uh, Wolves games are a fun thing to listen to. But folks, in this second half of the podcast, it's really weird. Um, so we've been trying for a while to get the second half of this podcast scheduled. And the night we recorded the interview with Jason, I had to run because um, my car was in the shop. I had to go pick up a car. And then it's just been one thing after another. We've got Kane's games. And the more we pushed it back, the more we were like, well, we got to put something out. So here I am. Uh, it's just me. So it's it's kind of funny. I'm just sitting in my house talking to myself. Um, so if I lose my train of thought, I'm sorry for that. We're trying to get something out for y'all. Um, and we'll be back to hopefully our regularly scheduled programming next week. Um, it's just one of those things where I think Brandon had a concert to go to tonight and uh, there Alex had work and then he was telling us about it and it was just a, a fiasco to say the least. So I'm here, I'm free for this little bit. And as of recording this, the Hurricanes have a 3-2 series lead over the Boston Bruins after a flat out dominant performance in uh game five a game that they really needed to get back to um and i say that because the hurricanes you know in boston struggled to get any sort of momentum going at five on five the bergeron line was almost exclusively matched up against the aho line which led to um sebastian aho not really being a factor and we saw on home ice Aho had two assists and he's proving to be a difference maker um the hurricanes need sebastian Aho to produce and i don't want to say they need him to produce even when he has the toughest matchups because he does i think that's just those were a tough two games in boston and the team as a whole did not look very good, um, especially the power play. Rod believes in this team. I think it was a pretty big and bold statement to not change the lineup at all um, going from game four to game five. Because, I mean, <laughs> take take a look on, online and you've got everybody, you know, kind of complaining that nothing was done. But honestly, you know, We've seen in the three games at home now, this this team is good enough to beat Boston and do it in dominating fashion. They've beaten Boston, I think, 4-1, 5-2, and 5-1 now, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. And have been the much better team at 5-on-5. Five five. Uh, the biggest story of this series has been special teams because Boston has a shorthanded goal and they have, I think, five power play goals in five games now so that's a big deal the the hurricanes need to have that stability because you know i've said this time and time again this season where 
penalties kill the momentum of this team, right? And you've got a team right now that, (laughs) you know, you're not playing bad power plays. So, you know, you give a team four or five opportunities a game, there's a good chance they're going to score on one or two of those. And Boston's power play, yes, after the first unit, it kind of tapers off a good bit, but that first unit has Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak, and Brad Marchand, who are much harder to defend when you have one less player to defend with. So the Hurricanes staying out of the penalty box was a big difference in game five. It also helped that Boston erased some of their power play time by taking stupid penalties of their own. Um, It was nice to see the Canes get in Boston's head. The Bruins, when they were on home ice, did a great job of getting in Carolina's head, as we saw with Tony D'Angelo. And I mean, you guys know where we stand on him. Uh, Three points in game five. That's awesome. But it's so easily or easy to rile him up and to get in his head and make him take a stupid penalty. So I think that the Canes have a chance going into Boston to win the series. It all just depends on uh, that special teams battle. The Canes need to stay disciplined again. They need to continue being dominant at five on five. And I think you need to start seeing more from the big guys when the matchups aren't in their favor. The Jordan Stahl line, I mean, let's be honest, they've been excellent this season. And honestly, I mean, they've been a big part of this playoff uh, series. I mean, you look at Nino Niederreiter playing consistently well. Jesper Faust had a goal, I think, in game two. Yeah, it was game two. And Jordan Stahl has just been consistently good. And, you know, if I'm looking at the way the Hurricanes are constructed in that Nino Niederreiter line, that is the line that I'm going with um, moving forward because they're just so good together. It's going to be a battle. I think Hampus Lindholm potentially makes his return in game six. And by the time you guys are hearing this, it's possible that game six has already happened. So sorry about that if that's the case. Um, Jeremy Swayman has been confirmed to get the start. I would imagine it would be Auntie Ranta um, because why not? He was great in game five. And he's been good all series long. Um, It's just, you know, Koshekov's story was cool. I got to see him play in game two, which was really neat. But um, I'm going to be honest when I say that his future is so, so bright, but he still needs some development. Um, rebounds are still a bit of a concern. I'd like to see him. There's just a few things that he could touch on before he becomes a full-time NHL goalie, but I think he's a lot closer than I would have given him credit for, and it's it's exciting. Um, Brady Shea has been pretty... I think he's been really good this series. He had a beautiful play on, I want to say it was a two on one, but it may have been a partial breakaway to not only force the player outside, but to stick check puck away and not take a penalty in the process. Because at that point in the game, I believe the Canes had all the momentum and, you know, 
surrendering a goal or taking a penalty there would have kind of clipped the King Canes' wings a little bit. But instead, Shea takes that. The Canes continue to take that momentum and continue to dominate in that third period. So big things for the team. I do want to talk about Andrei Svechnikov because I, I don't think he's having a bad series at all. I think he's his role right now against a heavier team like Boston, his role has been to create space for Aho and Jarvis or um, yeah, I think it's just been Aho and Jarvis on that line. Um, and Svech has done a great job at that. I mean, he had nine hits in game two, right? Um <laughs> He's been consistently physical, playing with a ton of pace. The points haven't come uh, yet, but I don't really expect them to, if that makes any sense. Um, I almost want him to be, right now, that physical player because Boston is a team that will wear you down and you need somebody who can almost stand up to them, you know? But taking a look at his stats, he, is, he only has two points in the Canes in the playoffs right now. Um, D'Angelo and Trocek are actually leading the way, um, which it can't be said enough how good of a playoffs um, Trocek has had. The only four Canes without points are Stepan, Martin Kokaniemi, and Shea. And two of those players have not played in every game. Uh, so the Canes are in a good spot. I think they have all the momentum heading into Boston. And I think you're going to start to see the scales tip in the Canes favor. I hope so at least. So the draft lottery was announced and I mean, you know, this is mostly a Canes podcast, but it is kind of important to note what's going on around the league, right? Um, The Montreal Canadiens own the first overall pick. And it's kind of cool because they are hosting the draft. It's also kind of hilarious because they absolutely sucked this year. Um, But I don't know. I'm always a big draft nerd. Um, I still think Shane Wright is the guy. Uh, But this is one of those years where there is more of a debate between one and two. Like there's no clear cut number one. It's still Shane Wright, but you could make an argument for one or two other players, but it is a fairly weak draft at the top. So the Canadians will get a good one. There's going to be plenty of other talent selected in this draft. It's just going to be one of those years where, I mean, thanks to a lot of teams missing time, whether it was due to COVID or missing a season or whatever, you know, a lot of players are, less polished as always i'll be doing some stuff for the draft and we will be too i think we we have tentatively one guest coming on the podcast that i think everybody will really enjoy um come closer to draft time and then uh we're probably going to talk to some other people getting closer to the draft and also just kind of talking about the future of the pipeline it's an exciting time i mean we are close to the second round of the playoffs i i really hope the hurricanes can make it past boston because like we've said on this podcast 
the Bruins, if we beat the Bruins, it would be like exercising the demons almost because you saw it with Washington back in 2018. Once they beat the Penguins, that was it. They could not be stopped. And then, you know, Tampa put that first round sweep behind them. They've won back-to-back cups. And now if the Canes can beat the Bruins and move on to face whether it's Pittsburgh or the Rangers, I think they've got a really good shot because this team has been dominant at even strength. The power play is not going to be terrible forever. And we saw glimpses of that hope last night uh, against Boston in game five. And not every team is built like Boston. Not every team plays like them. So in a way, I think it might actually help the Canes. Um, Oh, man, what else do we talk about this week? This is weird, man. I've never done this shit alone. Uh, I feel like we've talked about the Wolves a lot today. Oh, I guess the one thing to say is they released Artem Serikov from his contract today, which isn't very surprising at all. Um, Serikov, uh, I was talking with Andrew Rinaldi today, and he said like it was a big gamble for Sarikov to come over here as a 20 year old uh, from Russia because, you know, playing time's not guaranteed. He's very young and the AHL is, you know, pretty comparable, if not on the same level as the KHL, maybe even better depending on how you look at it. And Sarikov comes over and is mostly a depth player. He finally gets loaned to Norfolk and only plays in a handful of games there because the season's over. So all in all, I think it was one of those things where the Canes probably wanted to get extra eyes on him. And then they were, you know, I wouldn't say they weren't impressed, but they, they felt that they've talked with the Wolves probably. And we're like, listen, we don't need him in the system anymore. Um, but best wishes to him. I would imagine he goes back to Russia just because that seems like the most logical step. But at the same time, I don't know how, how difficult that is. Um, oh, I've got something to talk about here. And Canes fans, I, I'm sure you all have seen the discourse on this. And since we became a playoff team back in 2019, you know, this has been i wouldn't call it a chirp it's almost uh how do i put it fans of other teams project this on the canes where they basically accuse us of like pumping in fan noise or whatever and all this crap and to me that discourse is always dumb because like you come to a game and you hear it and you're in the arena And you're instantly like, no, this is people. This is loud as hell. Like Your ears start ringing. People are so excited to be there. The crowd's into it. The players are into it. I mean, we've started to see Boston fans be like, honestly, this crowd is so distracting on the broadcast. I hate it. And we're like, yes, good, good. Um. But it's awesome. I, I I think the crowd noise is something that's unique here. Um, every building gets loud when their team scores, right? Every building gets loud when that happens. 
but the hurricanes do like their the fans and the people they have like in the fan experience whether it's the canes crew whether it's the uh you know people starting chants or stuff this the fan base never stays quiet it's through the entire game there's either a let's go chant or let's go canes chant there's like a you know the classic ref you suck the the new classic boston sucks and this this team is or the fan base is just consistently loud and going the entire game uh it's really cool to see and i mean you can see it on the ice the players really take note so that's a big deal all right i feel like i'm going to keep this a little short because I mean, let's be honest, we're already kind of late on this. (laughs) But if you have made it this far and you've listened to me just talk to myself this whole time, first of all, thank you. You're awesome. And I appreciate you. Second of all, um, I'm going to, you know, not a challenge. I I really just want to hear your favorite moment from the season so far. Um, It can be regular season, it can be off season, it can be the playoffs, whatever you want it to be. I just kind of want to hear it. I think it would be really cool. Um, Just to kind of hear, you know, everybody's favorite moments. This is a, it's been a whirlwind of a season, one that has felt so long. Um, Not even just because of the playoffs, but because of the I feel like we got a slightly later start this year. We definitely went longer than we expected to with, you know, the Olympic break that did ended up not being an Olympic break. And then, yeah, let's just keep it at favorite moment from the season so far. Let's just keep it at one this week. Um, so if you have one, awesome. If you don't, you know, that's fine too. Uh, just mention us on Twitter. And Brandon probably won't know what's going on. Well, no, that's true. That's not true. He's he's editing this. So, Brandon, I'm sorry. I, I hope this is as painful for you to to edit as it is for uh, me to sit here talking to myself. <laughs> like I said, folks, we'll be back to our normal selves this week or uh, next week. And in spite of my just rambling on and on and on about things that don't even really matter it is still a great time to be a carolina hurricanes fan 